We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Man, we are doing this old school style, remote from the crib. So we are not in Blue Wire Studios today, but we'll be back on Wednesday and going forward. So that also means no YouTube version of this show, but it's cool. We did it like this for, what, six and a half years. So it's where we're back to where we were Dre, it was a busy weekend, a lot of fights, a lot of other stuff. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Because I was supposed to see you at the fight, but I got sick on Saturday. Uh, nothing. Video games. Elden Ring came out. Uh, <laughs> Horizon Forbidden West. That's it. And wait for this damn baby. I, I blame producer Cole Baby for all of that. Oh, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. All of it talked you into buying it in the studio yep i bought it and now it's like i hate it because it's really difficult and uh but i'm gonna play it (laughs) it's really this shit is hard it's a hard ass game is it harder than the joint you just finished playing dark souls games are like the hardest games ever made they're just ridiculously hard but it's not cheap hard it's just you got to learn how to play and uh yeah this shit is hard. That's all. Sounds like it takes a lot of time. Um, what I was doing with my time when I was sick and still covering fights, but covering all the fights and everything from here at the crib, I caught up on the Kanye doc. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. And I was watching and I was like, well, looks like we got to talk Kanye again. One of our favorite opening segments. I'm not even waiting for this last one to drop. One, because our show is going to be packed anyway. Two, because I feel like I know where this is going. Right? I, like, they're not going to surprise me in this third episode. So far, I am pretty, like, what I thought of Kanye, what we spoke on the past couple of years on this show, is pretty much true in my mind. There is a Kanye with his mother, alive and in his life, and then there is a Kanye post when his mother passed and this gives us yeah. a very good glimpse of the kanye when donda was around 
Yeah, I mean, that's I've said it a billion times. Dog, if he didn't lose his mother, we'd be having a different conversation about Kanye West because somebody's going to keep him in check. Um, his mother, a mother's love is something that, you, that can't be understated when it comes to building your child's confidence. Now, every child has to be treated differently. You have three kids. You can't treat all your kids the same. You can't discipline them all the same. But Donda West knew her son and his he needed a little bit of gravity to keep him on the ground, but he, she knew that he was going to float away. Like his brain was like, there was no telling Kanye West. No. And so she encouraged him in a way that was, it was positive reinforcement, but it was positive reinforcement in the way that she knew his lyrics. That's, that's beyond just blind support. That's, that's beyond telling your kid, you can do anything. She knew her son's lyrics. She was very confident in her son but she kept him grounded and he loved his mother and his mother loved him. And when she passed away, obviously, as we've seen, he's gone off the hinges. Like you think any of this stuff would have happened if his mother wasn't there? No, I don't. I personally, I don't think so. This whole Kim Kardashian thing, that marriage probably wouldn't even happen. If it wasn't for his mother passing. So watching that documentary, the one thing that I got more aside from the mother thing is that, I see a lot of people that watch the documentary and got super inspired. Like he wouldn't take no for an answer. He lived out his dreams and you should too. No, you shouldn't. Here's why. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what a statement. No, don't live out your dreams. Because, kids. <laughs> no, because you have to, you have to be careful about how you position yourself when you're talking about Kanye West, because Kanye didn't come into this just wanting to be a rapper. And then he forced his way into the game as a rapper. That's not what happened. Kanye Rapping was a side hustle for Kanye that he wanted to make his main hustle. His main hustle was making beats and he was really good at it. Granted, he didn't want to just be a producer. He wanted to be a rapper, but his main hustle was making beats. I see so many people talking about, I'm going to quit my job and chase my dreams. Don't quit your job. That's stupid. Oh no. I'm going to (laughs) know. Well, I'm a, you know, the, the, the reason why it's called a hustle is because a hustle is what you do outside of your main job. People, a lot of people don't get that. Kanye, his main job was making beats for other people. He wouldn't have made money. He wouldn't have been a, a presence in the game if it wasn't for him making beats. Yeah. And then he forced his way into being a rapper because at some point it was like, yo, you're going to get these beats, but I'm going to be on them. And you couldn't deny that with Kanye. Now, a lot of people didn't want to see Kanye rap. And I've always said Kanye is not a great rapper. He's okay. He's good on his own beats. But the fact remains is that making beats is what put him on. And I've seen people like, just don't let anybody tell you no, take no for an answer. Now, sometimes you do have to take no for an answer because you suck, right? In real life, a lot of people just aren't good at what they want to do and they stink. But Kanye was good at something else and parlayed that into a career that has become undeniable and grant whether you like him or not that's what he's done i just i hate when i listen to people talk about this stuff like that the the role that kanye traverse that big bridge is burnt it's never coming back you can't do it again find your own way and kanye he found his way he was persistent if and then there's other little things like let's be completely i worked at hip-hop site when college dropout first came out and it kept getting pushed back while i was at hip-hop site and during that time, he dropped the I'm Good mixtape, the Louis Vuitton Don mixtape. There was another one. I can't remember what it was. There's three mixtapes that he dropped before the album actually came out. And if you, it sucks, but 
if he didn't get in that car accident, would we be talking about Kanye West the way we talk about Kanye West today? No, through the wire was the perfect storm for mainstream success for Kanye West. And you don't get that song without the car accident. But then again, everything happens for a reason in life. Like I'm a firm believer in that. So it, it happened for a reason. It drove, it gave him that little bit, even past the fashion, because the fashion was a huge like part. Like, and they touched on that, um, is that, you know, he wanted to bring that backpack, collar, polo, he was the anti like hood hip hop dude. I get it. Um, he wasn't even like a real backpacker either. He was just like different. So he pushed that agenda um, a lot, but the car accident definitely gave him something to stick out. It's like 50 cent getting shot nine times and surviving. It adds that lore to the story and made him a mainstream success. Well, I mean, more importantly, what, what that says is timing is everything. I'm not a believer in, Everything happens for a reason. I, I truly am not. I don't believe that shit. Um, <laughs> You're a pessimist at heart. I'm an optimist at heart. So it's not even a pessimist. It, yeah, it, but I mean, you know, like when, when I see kids that get killed, I don't believe that. That's just me. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I don't believe it. Some things just fucking happen and things are messed up. It's just the way it goes. It's what you do after those things happen is the, the alters the course of your life. Conway's new album, God Don't Make Mistakes, it's pretty damn good. And the second half is a lot better than the first, in my opinion. Very good. If you haven't listened to it, it the good. second half is like the song Stressed or the song God Don't Make Mistakes, where he does talk about what happened to him. In the case of Kanye West, the reason I bring up the car accident is timing. Is The car accident was a big deal, of course. And Through the Wire was undeniable because it showed how passionate Kanye was at making it, right? Mm -hmm. But the timing was key also everything happens for a reason. Nah, not really, but the, you have to have things happen at a certain time for them to work. Like Kanye West couldn't have happened five years later. The game would obviously be different or five years before everything happens at a particular point in time. Jay-Z dropped reasonable doubt. If Biggie didn't pass for Jay-Z be as big, it's arguable. It's debatable, but those things, the timing of it shapes the way that we go through our lives. And I think with Kanye, he came at a time where, Radio was dominated by, if you want to call it gangster rap or excess. That's what radio was dominated by, excess. Yeah. And when he came along, right, like in 2003, when I was working at a hip-hop site, I say this all the time, like I was losing faith in hip-hop. I still loved it, but I only listened to underground. I never listened to the radio because all the artists that I liked that talked about the things that I could relate to were in the underground. It wasn't, I couldn't listen to Nelly. I hated that shit. I hated it, all that shit. I was big on Black Star, Most F, Common, To Live. Like that, that, all that was the roots. Like that was my stuff. And Kanye was the bridge at the time to, to bridge between those worlds. But it happened like at the right time where a lot of people were getting fed up with the music business and the music that was being played on the radio. Kanye came at the perfect time. The car accident delayed what was going to come out and allowed him to go back into the lab and make a bunch of songs that weren't going to end up on college dropout. It's all timing. So when I listen to, when I watch people and I see on Twitter and people's like, don't be like Kanye, don't be like Kanye. That don't do that. You can be inspired by Kanye. You can look at what he's done and say, Oh, okay. I see you should be persistent, but you got to look at the, all the facets of what made Kanye successful. It wasn't just being good. 
is it goes far beyond that. There's a lot of dope rappers. There's a lot of dope beat makers. There's a lot of dope singers. They all can't make it. Timing is of the essence and things got to play out in a certain way. And it all worked out for Kanye. Now he's a maniac. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh. Yeah. Pre college dropout part on, two. Hold on. Is, hold on. Uh, whatever. One second. I caught a break. Hold on. You just got to say now he's a maniac and then keep going oh. from there because uh, I plugged my phone into charge. Well, oh, you all the way out. All right. All go right. Ahead. You're good. Start from there. Now Kanye, now Kanye is a maniac and I don't know where this documentary is going to go. Part one was Kanye before college dropout. Part two was college dropout. Part three is like 10 years. They got to cover in part three. And I don't know how they're going to handle this. Because, again, the college dropout episode was 90 minutes of him making one album. You know how many albums have come out since then? I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. with How do Cootie and Chike handle this? Because I don't know if they go real deep into Kanye turning into a madman, right? I don't know if they talk about My Beautiful Dark Tristan Fantasy. I don't know if they talk, how deep they talk about 808 and Heartbreak. This, to me, when I saw the pacing of this documentary, this screams multiple seasons. Yeah, I don't know about so, that either. When you do this, to me, the way I'm watching this through my lens, even above and beyond, this is a journey for college dropout and him just starting to become successful, right? This was the story between him and his mom. So you can take this just to the point of when his mom passes. And then it changes. And then that's where this should end. And then whatever footage you have, you got three more episodes and you do the Taylor Swift joint, you do 808s, him and Amber, you do my dark twisted fantasy leading into the Kardashian era, and then you stop. And then if you have anything else after that, if you guys are still around each other, then you roll that into a third season and you go to the Kanye and Kim days and then you finish it up. Yeah, see, I don't think it's going to be multiple seasons. I think this is just a series that's going to be one and done. More importantly, wise because if you do another one, Kanye is going to get involved, and Netflix does not want to deal with Kanye. No, I think with Kudi and Chicks, they didn't let him get involved with this one. It's not his footage. Give it more time. Let them announce the second season and watch how Kanye tries to disrupt it. Don't it, they won't, I don't think it was made for seasons. I think it was made for one particular series. So I'm just curious how they handle it. But all in all, I think it was very good. Um, I've seen people say it's going to win an Oscar or, or Emmy. I don't think I don't know about all that. The Bill Cosby is better that I just watched. Yeah, the Cosby one's good. I, I mean, but it's good. It's definitely worth watching. It reminds you, you go, damn, that was that was the Kanye that I liked. And when people say I want the old Kanye back and people go, no, no, that's offensive. No, it's not. I want not. the Kanye that had his mom. I want that's the Kanye I liked. That in the, the you know the drink champs interview where he talks about I use backpackers. You're a liar, dog. You're a liar. You are one of them. You're not a street guy. You're a nerd. You're an educator who likes high fashion. There's a lot of nerds I know that are like that. There's, that's not. I mean, technically, there's a lot of. To, if I had to put you in a box, that would kind of be your lane as well. It's like, but but it's like you know I don't have aspirations to be like Louis and Gucci and Elon Musk and all that shit. No, but no. dog, you were. If it wasn't for the quote unquote backpacker community, you wouldn't be here. 
They're straight up. This is my. There wouldn't be no Kanye without that. This is my problem. Also, is that there's no no nod to Rhymefest. Khan was shown once. Well, oh, yeah. the first two episodes. To those who are not familiar with his story or familiar with hip hop and and dig through. If you just watch this for Kanye's backstory, say you they just start following him when he became a Kardashian, you would think he wrote all of those lyrics. You would think <laughs> that it's just him and his his thoughts and his uh, talent alone, right? Like yeah. that that it gives off that perception. You see him freestyle a lot, which are just previous writings, but you see him in the studio freestyling for multiple people, Jay. Um, rap, rapping in the offices, Pharrell, you, you're made to think, and I think it's a poignant like decision that he is penning these rhymes and then showing people his talent when a lot of what went into that album in the first three albums was a cohesive unit and project, a cohesive writing room, which they haven't shown. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was really good friends with Ron Fist at one point, and yeah, man. Like, gee, I've heard the original. A lot of people have, but I heard the original version of Jesus Walks. Like, Kanye is, a, I keep saying, Kanye's not a great rapper. You can tell the difference between when Kanye wrote a song versus when Ron Fest or Kanye, whoever it was, was writing a song. Totally different styles, totally different cadence. It's like listening to Dr. Dre rapping was like, yeah, he didn't write that shit. So, yeah, not enough credit's going to be given to those guys, but I'm not surprised. I, I didn't necessarily ex expect this documentary to be about how Ryan Fest wrote, wrote Jesus Walks or Crack Music or all the other songs that he wrote. Yeah, but they, that's not the point of the documentary, you know? They showed Kanye, and whatever song Consequence ended up being on on College Dropout, when they showed the creation of that and then they played it, like, back-to-back, -back, I went and played the full version of the song and i was like you can't differentiate kanye's verse from consequences verse at all no the cons had the same exact flow i was like cons you're the worst ghostwriter in the world like you at least got to change your flow if you gave him the other flow i was like it, it's yeah. crazy like it's so apparent um that it was heavily influenced or written you know entirely or structured by these guys but on the other hand, you know, Kanye's ego would say he was going to do that anyway, or the songs would have been hits anyway. Well, that's yeah, that's what Kanye would tell you. I mean, I, I don't know if I can argue that. Like, they probably were going to be hits anyway. With those beats and those choruses, probably. I don't know, you could said anything on the verses. I mean, you know, it all depends on the messenger at the end of the day. Ultimately, you look at somebody like Kanye, and, you know, if Rhymes have Fest would have made that song, it probably wouldn't have got as far. I mean, let's just be honest. Kanye was the guy. Yeah. He was uh, the magnetic personality that everybody wanted to work with. So it's like, if you have that, let's like, if Dre had anybody that wrote for Dre outside like Jay-Z do, do some of those songs, it might not be as big, but when it's a Dre song, it's just naturally going to be bigger because it's Dr. Dre. Kanye's kind of the same way. Um, but again, this is, this is Kanye's story. I didn't expect them to go too deep into who wrote for him and all that stuff, but it's really the passion of what Kanye had and his mother. And unfortunately, like he'll never be the same without his mother. And 
that's that's the big tragedy in the in the Kanye story. He's still successful, but it still seems like he's looking for his mother's love. Yeah, and that's something unfortunately you never get back, right? Like he has not adjusted from the outside looking in very well to that. I mean, now he's creating Donda to um it's feature heavy again. He's doing the listening sessions where people are now paying to listen, I guess, to the undeveloped tracks, like every two weeks or something. Yes, um, so launched a new app where the album will come out and then the album will continue to be tweaked after it's on the app. It's the only way to get it. I seems like a sound business model for him, but one that won't, I don't expect it to take off and like influence the industry. Uh, no. I, I don't know. And this is one thing watching the doc. I don't know what Kanye is today in 2022. It's a cult leader. Does he? Does he? He was. I would say he was. He had a hard influence on the culture, especially like probably 2020, 2015, 2020. The fashion shit, all this. Like he had a firm grasp. People were buying stupid merch for stupid money. Now, I'm not sure he holds that same pull. He does. I mean, dude, just because we don't like him, let's just be honest. Kanye has a ridiculous following. The fact that he's even making this album on this stem player and people are buying it to listen to an unfinished album, the man still has pull. He's still Kanye. There's just more options outside of Kanye. That's all. I don't like it, but other people do. And I'm not surprised by it. It's he's still Kanye. Like he, people still buy all that Yeezy, the shoes, the clothes from the gap. They buy all that shit. Somewhat. Somewhat. No one's buying those fucking giant space boots. Yes, they are. I just saw some last night, the Chris Colbert fight. No. Yes, man. Come on. People love Kanye West. I was sick as a dog, but went to the Chris Colbert fight to pick up my credential because I don't know show credentials. So I went to pick up my credential and I was in there for like 10 minutes and I saw peak urban loitering at the Cosmopolitan. I don't think it was peak, but it was definitely urban loitering. I saw a girl with a lime, like not lime, highlighter green cat suit on with the back cut out with her thong up like Lita. Yeah. It was a lot of that. I mean, it wasn't a lot. Of, it was it was that last night. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was that. It was it was it was that. It was a little bit of a Dominican contingent who, who came in uh, for the challenger, and it was like I don't know. There was there was some decent urban loitering out there. I was like, oh, he's trying to turn out the the Cosmo here on on a regular fight night. He had a nice little following. Yeah, too bad. We'll get to that fight. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that, that fight in a minute. Show. But it's it was too bad. It was too bad how it played out for Chris Colbert. Yeah, he, for shame. He yeah, up. but now to wrap up like the the Kanye things. So we get this doc. I feel like the story's still being written, right? So we get the beginning of Kanye. We know what's happened since. If you had to project, where's Kanye five years from now? Still being crazy. Um, can you be crazy for a decade? I don't think crazy works like that. Yes, it does. You're crazy your whole life. I mean, when I say crazy, 
I don't even, I'm not even talking mental health. I think he'll be still doing wild shit. I don't think nothing will necessarily change. He'll still be making music. He'll find some young rapper to latch on to. He'll, st- he'll still be around. He'll still be doing fashion. He'll still be a presence. Um, five years from now, he'll probably have another attempt at running for president. He's, he doesn't go away. Kanye doesn't necessarily go away. He'll still be around. He'll still be relevant. Damn. It takes a lot to lose relevancy. Yeah. Like once you gain it, that's a whole nother like aside, but like once you gain relevancy, it takes a lot to lose. It. Like I was just looking and I grant, I did not look into this like a lot. So I'm not going to like dive into the semantics of it, but the Tory Lanez court case, Megan the Stallion stuff, I guess. And I don't know who's right. Who's wrong. I don't know what the hell is going on there. But even then, I'm like, nothing's really happened to Tory Lanez. No. Like, it's hard to lose relevance. I guess it's cancel yeah. culture. Like, it, can you really cancel someone? Because people no. obviously now know that. No, none of that shit matters, man. He's, he's, Tory Lanez, until he's convicted, none of this shit matters. That's it. It's all, it's all speculation. And to be, to be fair, speculation should be handled this way. I mean, yeah, I, I, I never really listened to Tory Lanez music. Again, it's not hard for me to quote unquote cancel him. Not a big Tory Lanez fan in the first place. I feel like with Tory but, Lanez a little bit. Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, but it's, it's until he's convicted of doing something, then that's when action can be taking place. Right now, all this stuff is speculation. It's all alleged what happened between him and Meg. A lot of people believe that he shot Meg in the foot and Meg didn't say anything, blah, blah, blah. And there's evidence. But it's, it's when it goes to trial, you can't really, you can't cancel somebody until something actually happens or there's enough evidence. And what is canceling? You know how I feel about this shit. What is canceling? Who cares? What are you going to do? Not buy his music? I don't buy it anyway. So what? I mean, Kanye obviously ain't canceled for the MAGA hat shit. Like some people are like, yo, that's not cool. But then I see them no. on Donda 2. Dude, look, Alicia Keys is on Donda 2. Push is like, and is a lot Fabio, of people. Is that Fabio look, Warren's song on Donda 2? Or is that on yes, Fabio? Yes. That song uh, is I don't crack. care. That New York song? Fire. But the thing is, is that Pusha knows Kanye. And Pusha and Kanye are friends. And no matter what Kanye does, Pusha may not agree with him, but that's going to be his guy. I can't tell him not to do that. He's known Kanye much better and longer than I have. I don't have, I, I can't, what are we going to do, cancel Pusha too? Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's slippery slope. Yeah, it's just, you know, I just, I don't agree with Kanye stuff. I don't agree with people that necessarily rock with Kanye because me as a person, I couldn't do that. But I can't tell somebody else stop being his friend because maybe he needs those people in his life for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what kind of conversations they have. Clearly, Big Sean and, and John Legend are not in the Kanye boat anymore. Meanwhile, yeah. apparently, Big Sean. Now. Nah, I don't think this one's coming back. I think I mean, we, we John Legend Big, might. Big Sean. I don't think so. Like that is burnt. I think John Legend. I mean, they could apologize and give back. I mean, the Kid Cudi thing, too. Some bridges are just going to be burnt and you just move on with your life. John Legend, in some ways, is bigger in completely different ways. He's, got, he's gotten bigger as an artist than anybody could have possibly expected. I don't, I don't think anybody saw John Legend getting this big. He's huge. He's a monster. He doesn't need Kanye no. to be friends with him. And, I don't, and, and that's the thing. It's like, 
I think John Legend's life philosophy wouldn't allow him to be friends with Kanye like that. They can bury the hatchet and agree not to talk about each other, which is really just Kanye not talking about John. <laughs> but other than that, I can't see them hanging out. Big Sean, yeah, Kanye said too much. He said too much about Big Sean. Very disrespectful. Yeah. Kid Cuddy, Cuddy's like, yo, anyways, heartbreak wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for me. Give me more credit. But Kanye forgets who he is sometimes. He's a weirdo. He really is. That it just makes me think like cutting off friends is very tough. No, it ain't. Gonna, it's easy. Nah, you're again, you're a different <laughs> you're a different no, type of cat. <laughs> it's easy. It's, it's like, easy for me. I'm I'm big. Like if, if you betray me, it is over. There's nothing to talk about. I ain't I ain't with that. I cut off people. Don't like betray you. Like I've been going to your crib for like six years. I've seen the same. No, dog. I've I've been no, no. I've absolutely been betrayed by a lot of people. What? And yeah, man. Just I'm shocked by this. I've known you for a while, but I'm shocked. You keep such a tight circle. That again, I do. Same people at your crib all the time. I, you know, I know everybody now. Like go over there. It's like family functions. Everybody feel like family. It would be wild for me to anticipate like any of those people betraying you. So like the fact that other people brought obviously there before I was around, like that's crazy to think of. Yo, people are shady. People are shady yeah, in many ways, camera, man. I know no one, no one has betrayed you. Yeah, no, there, there's been a few, and you know, some people, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't. No, I'm not going to lie. I do hold grudges, but I don't let it dominate my life. I just cut the, the loose ends, man. Like I don't got time for it. So lo- friends are friends, but it's like, if you do me dirty, I don't got time to waste trying to fix it. I ain't that guy. Like, yo, if it, I'm too old for this shit. If you, if you <laughs> do me dirty, it's like, you just got to move on with your life. I don't need it. I don't need this shit in my life. So it's easy oh, that's for me. fair. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll see. It seems like Kanye is, is making new enemies by the day, new friends and making up with people by the day as well. So it's, it's not the last time we're going to be talking about Kanye West on the show. It was just interesting to, you know, dive into the documentary, what it means. Um, just give that introspective look at the old Kanye. So this is it. It's all we got documentaries and YouTube videos to remind us of the old Kanye days outside of that. He ain't coming back. So that's that's where we'll leave that. Let's hit the break, because when we come back, we're going to dive into boxing. So much boxing. It's been a long time since we have an entire boxing episode. So we're going to catch up on all the boxing news in this next segment and then finish up with a recap of the weekend and a quick preview of the fights that are going down next weekend. So everyone, don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. All right, everybody, we are back. It's time to talk boxing. Let's start the end-all, be-all of boxing. Canelo Alvarez, he's the pound-for-pound king. He now has his 2022 schedule pretty much locked up. At one point, I thought he was going to fight four times this year. looks like it's going to be three, which still for a fighter, his stature is amazing. But he takes the zone slash matchroom deal. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He had two deals on the table, one from PBC, which uh, according to Mike Coppinger reports was up to a hundred million for two fights, one against Charlo in May, the other one against David Benavidez in September. 
Instead, he takes a $100 million deal from DAZN with a pending option for a third fight, which would bring it up to 160. Um, first fight, May 7th, single of Mayo weekend, him versus Dimitri Baval has been finalized, has been announced. Then if Triple G handles business in his next fight in a unification bout, then and beats uh Ryoto in that fight, then those two would close the trilogy in September. And something I didn't think, because that would be a war, no matter how you slice it. Then Canelo, the third fight would be December, which looks like going up to cruiserweight. And he's still the the mandatory there. So, I mean, that is a packed schedule for 160 mil. I Am I crazy for thinking if he pulls off these three fights, he'd have a better year than he had last year? Nah, I don't. I mean, first of all, I've watched people on Twitter say it's the dumbest shit. Canelo was uh, ducking Jamel Charlo. Canelo was, yeah, he's, he's ducking David Benavidez. But I don't know how many years I'm, I've been saying this, but do any of them have a title? That's not what Canelo. Why, why, why would Canelo fight Charlo if he ain't got no belt? Why would Canelo fight Benavidez? It's, those are two fights that sound good to a lot of people. Like, I want to see those fights, but they have nothing for Canelo other than to appease y'all who want to see him fight and cash those two guys out who have nothing. Yep. That's such a weird thought process. Somebody got my timeline. He was like, Triple G doesn't have a title, but I was like, Bival does. Bival has a title. And the Triple G fight will make him just as much, if not more, than both the Charlo and the Benavidez fight. So why wouldn't he take that deal? I don't understand what people want Canelo to do because Benavidez, he could have had the fight if he didn't lose it on the scale and do cocaine. Charlo, he had to move up and wait, right? So he's fighting a smaller guy. That's the first thing everybody will say. Ah, uh, Canelo's fighting a smaller guy. Meanwhile, Bival is a legit 175-pound champion, and there's unfinished business with Triple G. And if Canelo just goes out there and beats Triple G, he puts, he puts that one to rest. He, be, he gets this title from Bival. And if he, if he fights for cruiserweight in Mexico, whatever he wants to do, it's a huge year for him. I don't understand what people want from Canelo anymore. They're critical about him and they say he's not that good. Yes, he is. Have you seen him? Yeah, he's that good. <laughs> he's better he's than doing all else on the planet. Yeah, he's the best fighter in the world right now. And I know a lot of people say, well, what about Terrence Crawford? Look, Terrence Crawford is not making business deals like Canelo is. That, that's N plus Canelo has a whole country behind him. Well, half a country, if, depending on who you talk to that's from Mexico. There's people that hate Canelo in Mexico. But the fact remains that Canelo is a huge star and he's made himself that way. And he's made all the right moves to continue to be a huge star. Crawford has not done that. Crawford, and we're going to talk about the Josh Taylor, Jack Catterall fight, but if, if, if Crawford can't find a way to land an Errol Spence fight, he's stuck in the mud. He'll never pass Canelo, ever. He ain't gonna but Canelo's doing all the right regardless. things. Regardless. No, there's nothing. Unless Canelo was to fall off a cliff, like literally go hiking and fall off a cliff <laughs> and hurt himself, there, or he has to like lose a bunch of times, Terrence Crawford can't – there's nothing he can do unless he lands like a PBC deal or he finds a way to be a free agent, takes a little miss, less money for bigger fights. But I don't think that's in Terrence Crawford's mentality. But Canelo's done all the right things. If this man becomes a cruiserweight champion too, you forget about it. We're not talking about the best – 
right now. We're talking about all time great. Yeah. He's trying to get there. And yeah, he's got some work to do, but damn. He's and fighting three to four times. Yo, three to four times a year in this era is crazy. But he's think, doing it. I think he's already the greatest Mexican boxer ever. Which is saying Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure he's yeah, I'm pretty yeah, he's he's there. Yeah. He's there. I mean, the only thing he can do is is blow it by losing, but we just don't necessarily see him losing to anybody. A lot of them lost at the end, right? Like the greatest of all time for many people is Ali lost at the end. Um, yeah, I just don't see anyone. And, and losing while daring to be great is different. Like if you lose at Cruiser, I wouldn't knock him even down from my top spot in pound for pound. Yeah. And I don't think That's he's fair. going to lose in Cruiser. But no, like I, I don't think so. What if for any reason, say Usyk beats Fury. And say so he beats Joshua, beats Fury twice. And Usyk's like, what the hell's left for me? What if Canelo's like, yo, let's do this at 205? 200. Uh, I don't know. And loses. I don't know. Let's just say he does it and loses. I still, for the attempt, I keep him at number one. Not, nah, not if he loses to Usyk. No, Usyk's number one. No, I still wouldn't even yes. tell Usyk. No, because hell, hell yeah, you have to. Because you're supposed to win that. No, I'm not jumping in. No, no, no. You lose to the guy, you lose your number one spot. That's it. Period. <laughs> no. Again, no, there's there's no like, there is the I don't Usyk beats Joshua, then Fury, and then Canelo, then yes, maybe I would have. Because I mean that's a murderer's role overall. But yeah, if he beats Canelo, it is what it is. Like your daring to be great comes with consequences. You lose to a guy who's currently ranked on a lot of people as the number two fighter on the list, you're number two. You lost to number one. That's it. It's cold. That ain't cold. That's that's what it is. You lose to the, if you lose to the man, you have to, you acquiesce your position to the man. How could you still be number one? I mean, that shit happens. Like, um, Loma's ranked higher than, well, I mean, what's his face? Theofimo took a loss. But, it's still like there's there's times where like yo you beat this person then next thing you know the person's above you on the pound for pound again and you're like what the fuck just happened? Yeah, but directly after a loss you can't be ranked higher than the person you lost. That's to. Tough because your your whole career comes into balance. That is Usyk, not tough. Usyk is tough because he'd then be a two division undisputed champ. Like if you're all broke that way, yeah, Usyk would probably jump to the more. But again, if someone else. If it wasn't Usyk level of accomplishments, because Usyk's catalog is stupid long too, I guess. So um, let's say there's a cruiserweight, a dominant cruiserweight came up. It's not Usyk; he's a heavyweight. His fucking thing is way too long. But let's say someone clears out the cruiserweight division, and then Canelo loses to them. Like they're not going to jump Canelo. It depends. Like if somebody is undisputed Oakley, at cruiserweight, didn't, didn't Oakley just fight today? Whatever. Oakley? Yeah. Oakley just fought. Yeah, but that's. He just fought, right? Like, let's say he just goes on a crazy tear. Sweeps okay. the division. And then him and Canelo fight for Undisputed in that division. He beats Canelo. He's not jumping Canelo. Well, no, but that, I mean, there's a lot more layers to that. I'm, I'm using Usyk as an example. Yeah, Usyk I'm is saying. Tough. I, I've, I've now thought about but it. But if. His resume yeah, if is Canelo. Long. If if Canelo were to lose 
that leaves room for somebody like, depending on what they do, for if Errol Spence, depending on what he was to do, mm-hmm. right? In that time, if Errol Spence either became undisputed welterweight or jumped to 54 and, and grabbed a bunch of titles, he could pass Canelo. The guy who loses never stays at number one. It's just not, that's not how it's built. Other people are working to take that spot. That's tough. So, like, even if Canelo loses to Triple G this time, say, like, shoddy decision, and Triple G gets the decision, but people think Canelo really won the fight, you think Spence could jump him? Possible. Depending on what, what Spence does. Yeah, yeah, let's say he just, like, he beats Bud. Like, 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 if Spence wipes out Usyk, I mean, not Usyk, uh, Ugas, Ugas. And ends Bud, up like getting a week after. Of course, he's number one. Yes, if 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 Canelo loses, yes, Spence is number one. And then Spence beats Bud. Spence number one. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent, no question. Even though Canelo's resume is still on paper, don't way care. Longer. Pound for pound is what have you done for me lately? Not what you've done for me for your whole career. It's what have you done for me right now? Oh. And that's why their rankings they change. It's like college basketball; it changes every week. Yeah. But right at that particular moment, is Spence beats Bud, who is top five, and like if he and he, he beats Ugas and becomes undisputed, and Canelo loses the Triple G, yeah, Errol's gonna jump him. See, that's tough because it's Errol's first undisputed. Canelo already been there, done that. Like they're it, both undisputed. It, they both, but I guess but it's don't matter. Lost, yeah, yeah. You take an L. The recent L is gonna is what affects your current pound for pound status. I would tell people you can get it back. I guess. I guess that's true because we were voted for pound for pound this week for ESPN and I'm on that panel. And uh, Tim Bradley was very vocal. Like he's dropping Josh Taylor, which we'll talk about later, completely off his pound for pound list. And the man won. I mean, where, where's Taylor ranked in the pound for pound list right now? Seven. That's fair. He's taking them off. That's fair. You can, I could see him falling off the top 10 after that performance. Wow. I can see it. Very I, lately, then it is very. What have you done for me lately? Like, what yeah. have you done for me today? Yes, that's that's why we do rankings after fights. It's based on the results of what we just saw. So if, if you lose or you look like you lost, and there's another fighter that looked better than you in that same time frame since the last time we did the rankings, yeah, you can get jumped. That's it. It ain't that hard. Yeah. And then you just gotta come and get back. It's just crazy. That's it. We're going to see a lot of movement in pound for pounds coming up because uh, outside of just Canelo, we've had a lot of fights getting finalized. Fury versus Dillian White for the UK, April 23rd, where it's the Boy. first time we're seeing Tyson Fury fight someone not named Deontay Wilder in two years. Yeah. Oh, man. This, this fight. Now, here's the fun thing about this. This could be the one of the top 10 most attended fights of all time because at Wembley 90, they're going to 90 over 90,000 uh, Vital, uh, Vladimir and Anthony Joshua did 90,000 at Wembley and I think they're going to situate it to beat that Wow! so if it does if it does do that it'll be I think it falls in sixth all time um, it's a big fight all British heavyweight showdown but man, Tyson Fury, if, if unless Tyson Fury just doesn't care about Dillian White, Tyson Fury's gonna beat the brakes off of Dillian White. Oh my uh, god. Tyson Fury has gone into full camp mode. He has shut everything down. Um his list of training partners are all better than Dillian White. And it's just for training and sparring. 
if anyone ever wonders why Tyson Fury is so good, and uh, I've talked to him about this before, uh, maybe I'll ask him this question when I interview him, actually, coming up. But that's so I can get it on record. But I talked to him about this before, and he learned a lot from being in Klitschko's camp. I, I believe it was 2012. He was in Klitschko's camp. And Klitschko always bought the top young heavyweights into his camp as sparring partners all the time. And he was a firm believer, and that's what kept him great. And Fury does the exact same thing. He's learned that same mold where he brings in big baby Jared Anderson for every camp now. Yeah. Like he, he brings in the young guys where he may see them maybe like four years from now, <laughs> five years, but he doesn't care. Like he wants the best, the youngest, the most athletic now. I mean, Klitschko brought in Deontay Wilder for two camps. Bought in yeah. Fury for I mean, a camp. Like all the, like the guy was really good at doing that. Tyson Fury's picked up that same thing. He makes training camp harder than the actual fight. People saw him training for a wilder before, you know, he had to go back to the UK. He came to press conferences with black eyes and people were like, oh, he got put down in camp. Like, yeah, that's what he wants. Like, he goes yeah, to, camp to get beat up. It's crazy. You go to get better. Like, if you just go into camp and just beating up on people you're supposed to beat up on, what's the point? Yeah. It doesn't make you better. You got to get better. Yeah, so he he goes in there and he stands in front and he tries out different things and different techniques, and sometimes he gets his ass whooped. Spoiler alert. He is that guy in camp where he'll try something out and take an ass whooping, but then realize it's going to lead to him getting his ass whooped. He's a, a trial-by-error type of guy, and it helps him yeah, close he's, those holes. Yeah, and game. he's going to go out there. He's going to, you know, because he sparred with Dillian White. Dillian's claim to fame is they put down Fury. Yep. Three, four years ago. And it's like, have, man, a lot of people have. And it's, you know, if you're Tyson Fury, you're like, so? Like, what are you going to do now? Like, here's the thing about Dillian White, and we'll talk about it as we get closer to the fight. Dillian White almost got knocked out by Oscar Rivas, Joseph Parker, uh, Derek Tesora, who, who he almost lost to. He got knocked out by Anthony Joshua, and he got knocked out by Alexander Povetkin. Tyson Fury's bigger than all those guys in terms of size. And Joseph Parker's not a big puncher. Oscar Rivas, not a big, big puncher. They're heavyweights, of course, but Joshua knocked him in the next week. Yep. Povetkin caught him slipping. Dillian White hasn't looked in tremendous shape in his last few fights. He got in very good shape over the summer, though. I'll give him credit. He looked That's fine. He's still, he's still only 6'4". Yeah. He's he's giving up over five and a half inches to Tyson Fury. It's going to be a rough night. It's going to be a rough night. Fury but, can make this whatever fight he wants. Yeah. Again, unless he falls asleep at the wheel and Dillian White catches him because Dillian White does have great power. That's the only way I could possibly see this fight being close. But other than that, it'll be a boxing clinic if you allow uh, Tyson Fury to do what he wants. Definitely. And now at this point in Tyson Fury's career, I always look at it as like, man, he's facing someone with great power. Do they hit harder than Deontay Wilder? No. <laughs> so and he got like, up. He got up every time. Every time. It's not like he got hit once and got up. He got hit. What, he got dropped three times in that trilogy. Yep. Got up every time. 
That dog, I don't see. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. This will be a big fight, but you know, Dillian White playing mind games, signing the contract on like the eleventh hour. All right, dude. <laughs> yeah, charging extra for press. Yeah, all right, dude. It's, Keep playing. Yeah, it's not. He's not the one for that one. Like Fury doesn't. Fury's gonna win the mind games hundred percent of the time. So you might as well go in there, focus up. But Dillian White thinks he has a chance, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Then uh, we don't know what's coming. It looked for a second like we were going to get an announcement for Usyk versus Anthony Joshua too, and Lomachenko is inching closer to landing this Cambosis fight. But now both are back in Ukraine, um, speaking up, and now in the case of Loma, defending the country, joining a battalion. Pulls a you know a picture with the rifle today and. Country comes first, life comes first, obviously. So I commend both of those men. But we're talking from a strictly boxing sense. This might have repercussions and delays in the boxing world. In the case of Loma, I mean, this might just open the door for Devin Haney to get the match with George Cambosis when it looked like Loma was in the driver's seat. Yep. It's, I mean, it sucks, but yeah, that's that's what it's probably going to be. I mean, it's there there's war and I don't want to go too deep in because it's, it's a lot, man. It's I feel bad for Ukraine. I, you know, just watch Victor Pastal fight this weekend. We got a lot of Ukrainian fighters and it's like their, their country's getting raided and they're taking up arms, but the rest of the, unfortunately the rest of the world moves on and the fight game's not going to wait for Lomachenko and, and Usyk to fight. And I can't imagine those two guys would be even interested in fighting at this current juncture. It's too no. much going on. Yep. So yeah, we might see Devin Haney sneak in that spot. We might. I don't know what AJ is going to do. That's a really tough spot for him. Yeah. Like, you know what? I don't know if AJ waits. I think the guy needs a fight at some point. It'd be really good for him with you know with a couple new trainers in, in which he has announced with trainers, but um, a couple new trainers to get a new style. I think there's fights out there for him where he can go in take the fight and be relatively safe and just te- test out his new skills. Let me go fight Luis Ortiz. Yeah. Luis Ortiz, 18 uh, years old. Fight Chris Ariola. Yeah, fight Ariola. Fight. I mean, Ariola is <laughs> as safe as it can be. Fight Chris Ariola. Bruh. If, if you don't know when Usa is going to come back and you really want to roll the dice, fight Deontay Wilder. Nah, come on. <laughs> nah, that's the fuck you want to throw you all at you. Nah, nah, you ain't giving the bag. Because Wilder's knocking him out. No, 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 you don't do that. No, no, no. Why, why you want the man to get knocked out, Dre? You know hey, man, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if he'll get knocked out. I don't know what Deontay Wilder is. I think he, I think Wilder should win this fight because he's Brazilian as hell. But if he gasses, AJ will knock him the fuck out. It's I don't I'm just saying you can't wait for the Usyk rematch at this point. You you kind of have to move on and do something different. I agree. And you can't Ariola is that guy not, not the most dangerous puncher on the planet. I mean that's fine. I just again I don't know I don't know I don't know how we how we play this out, but it, it just sucks because I can't see Usyk back in the ring. Maybe not even this year, depending on how this all plays out. And he's the unified heavyweight champion. Yeah. Because, again, family comes first. So, wishing those guys none but the best. Like like you said, this shit is war. Like, real war. Like, we don't even understand this. 
Like we watch movies and play Call of Duty and shit. Like this is real life for them. Um, they're gathering arms and, and manning up. Like that means they're willing to shoot. The other side is willing to shoot them. Um, so I wish them nothing but safety and, and the best to them, their families, everyone in Ukraine um, for the best outcome here. So that's, they're, they're brave beyond measure, beyond words that I even have. Um, other ones, Ryan Garcia is coming back and returning April 9th. New trainer. Joe Goosen. He's a new old trainer. the denim. Yeah, the Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> Joe, I like Joe Goosen, though. Um, I like when he broke down fights and, and talked the fights through. And I like him as a trainer. I, I think, you know, moving away from Canelo team and Eddie Reynoso is polarizing, right? And it was like, oh, my God, what is Ryan doing? But as... As much as I've seen him, and I'm interviewing Ryan on Tuesday, um, but it's one of those things where it's like for his personality, for where he's at, I can understand wanting someone who's more attentive, where you are the star of the team. Because even though you can train with Reynoso, Canelo's the star of the team. Oh, definitely. Um, I understand Ryan wanted to be the star of his own team. And he didn't do it with no BS trainer. He went out there and got a real deal trainer still, you know? But he's like, no, yep. this is team, team King Rye, I think it is. <laughs> now, and then he got the young kid from the zone who's pretty good. The other young Who? pretty boy on his team. Mark Castro? Nah, nah, Who, nah. Mark Castro? Nah, nah. I'll oh, find no. the kid's name right now. But um, he's like the first recruit to King Rye's team or whatever. So, I mean, I, I get it. Again, this is like being mad that like, we talked about Kanye to open up, right? Like Kanye was under jail on Rockefeller, but you can't get mad when Kanye want to bounce and start good music. You no, know, like sooner or later for some people, especially of that, you know, level. And when you get to that point, like if they want their own thing, you'd be like, ah, I get it. Yeah. Look, I, the, my, my biggest concern with Ryan moving to Goosen's camp, Goosen is known for offense. All of his, his fighters have, have been focused on offense. Ryan needed Eddie Reynoso for defense. And especially after what happened in the Luke Campbell fight, what he got hit with in, in his career. I mean, he's been hurt to the body. Showing up defense to me has always been more important for Ryan. I know the rapport with Joe Goosen is great. I just don't know if Joe Goosen can shore up those defensive deficiencies that Ryan has. And Reynoso could. The problem is... The time thing is true. There's some some fighters just need a trainer who is dedicated to them. So I get it. I get the move. Um, I just don't. I don't know how how beneficial it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see how Ryan comes back on April 9th. and does he look better defensively? But it's not even a, a you know tackle's not really a threat offensively. And but neither really Luke Campbell wasn't necessarily a threat. And he put him down hard. Yeah, so flash knockdown. I mean, but Luke Campbell wasn't. Shit, there was no flash knock. That was not a flash knockdown. He got hit with a brick upside his head and collapsed in a heap and got his ass up. There was no flash because Ryan didn't pop back okay. up. Okay, no, he got not a pop. he got nailed. To take the eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got he got clocked. So it's uh, Ryan. He's still young. Obviously, he's got a lot of time. But as as we talk about Chris Colbert a little bit later. You don't want to have too much time in between fights because there's a lot of hungry fighters out there going to take advantage of you. Ring rust is real. 
timing is real. All those things are real. Keith Thurman found that shit out fighting Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is real. Like you have to stay busy and shore up the holes in your game that people are going to want to take advantage of. You think Devin Haney and Lomachenko and Tank and all those guys aren't looking at Ryan's like, yeah, I can, I can hit them. With, with Chapo, you don't know. Maybe, maybe I can get away with something. Now, nah, man. It's it's Ryan's very offensive minded. I don't know how it'll work out. Hopefully, it works out good for him. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, to me, it it can't be a bad thing. He's at the point where activity is his biggest thing, even more so than who you're working with. He just got to be more active. And I think Canelo was, was very right in that criticism. It's, it's time right. to just fight, man. And fight a lot. I don't even care who you're fighting. Like, I, I get it. You don't have to fight the best right away. Like, I, I wasn't upset by this um, or his choice of opponent or anything like that. Like, I get it. But you just got to fight. And that's, you know, where, where we are at this point in time. And we'll see how he looks and what that leads to for him. Then that leaves kind of the other lightweights stagnant, right? Like what's next for Teofimo, Javante, talked about Devin Haney, Cambosis. I mean, the, the location for Cambosis booked June 6th, Australia. Like they booked Marvel Stadium, right? Like if Loma is with arms right now, it looks like the door is open for Devin Haney. Yeah, I mean, it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, it just has to happen now. It just has to happen now. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for Cambosis. He can't say I'm waiting on Lomachenko. Uh, to be completely honest, this should have been Devin's fight to begin with. Yeah, Loma's now the WBO, I think, like mandatory. So whenever this does blow by and Loma comes back and he can train, then Loma's going to get the title shot against whoever the hell has the belt anybody. He ain't missing nothing. Yep. No. So. I, and that would be one hell of a fight because Cambosis is bringing it. And I think Devin's the most skilled out of all of them. I still say yeah. Teofimo won that fight against Cambosis. Like I was there. I had it 6-6, a draw, and then the judges gave Teofimo a 10-9 round because they say he won the round but got dropped in the first, which I can yeah, see. Yeah, I'll score it. And I still think Teal lost. Teal had him on the ropes and down in the tenth, so the the knockdowns washed anyway, and that's a knockdown for Teal Fimo. I can see Teal Fimo winning that fight. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think Teal won that fight, but you know, when Teal comes back, hopefully everything is fixed. Uh, He'll be healthier. He'll have two lungs. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's just mentally we don't know where he's at. But yeah, the lightweight division is it's a it's a complex division, and if. If Haney fights Cambosis, I think it's a hell of a fight. It should be made. It's the fight that will help Devin Haney more than anything else. He'll get paid. He'll benefit a lot. He just has to win. Yeah, He has to win. And then that brings up, because, again, Teofimo, we're talking Teofimo. He's coming back on 140. So he's moving up regardless. Um, we'll talk about the 140-pound division a little more in the next segment with Josh Taylor's his most recent fight. But Teofimo... I guess we just got to chalk up to undisputed. So whenever that happens, right? Like can't focus on undisputed. He just has to establish himself at 140 pounds. Yep. Gervonta is the one that is causing, I don't want to say causing a stir, 
but he is definitely the talk of the lightweight division and it's for the wrong reasons. And it's because Mayweather promotions and I like Leonard. We've talked to Leonard several times. Hell, we might have Leonard in studio sooner or later. Leonard's here. Leonard come through. Got to put the call in. That's a good idea. Uh, fans hold me to that. But they've made it very apparent that they will let him keep fighting in-house fighters until a deal wows them to then fight someone else. Mm-hmm. That is a tough stance to take in the long run. Because even when building Floyd, every two years, he had a dare-to-be-great moment. Diego Corrales was not an easy fight. Now, that was he's still in top rank at that time. No, I, I know. But no, I'm I mean, just saying he, the, the business is different. I'm talking like young Floyd. No, because he fought yeah. top rank stable fighters. No, until he didn't have to. Well, what I'm saying is the business was different, right? Like Floyd didn't call his own, own shots until he left. And then he oh, took a chance true. on himself to fight De La Hoya, right? Cool. Yeah. There was, there was, a, there was a time where even though Floyd was a blue chip prospect and then, you know, rampage through the light, through weight classes, but he was still not a star. Mm. There, Javante is already a star. Javante is a bigger star now at his age than Floyd was when he was that age. True, but does that mean you don't feed him tough challenges because of it? No, no, not at all. But I'm saying the business is different. Floyd laid the blueprint down for the business, and now Javante is following that blueprint. And Ellaby and Heyman and that team, they're not going to let anybody eat off of Javante right now. And it sucks. If you want to be keeping 100, it sucks because we want to see Tank take on tougher fights. But Tank is not in it. I don't believe Tank's in it for legacy. I think he's in it for money. And if there's a – like, he's not going to back down from a fight. He's a fighter. But the business is more important to Tank than appeasing people who want to see him fight Devin Haney. Yeah, Ryan Garcia, shit like that. Like the Ryan fight, Ryan will come into that fight and Golden Boy, and they'll say, they'll say one of two things 60 40 or 50 50. And Tank will say no to both of those. They, they, won't, they won't accept that Ryan's a bigger star than them because they'll say, well, we sell more tickets. We've been on pay per view. They won't want to do even money because they'll say the same thing Tank is a bigger star. Ryan's team, rightfully so, is like, no, because if you have us, you have the biggest fight the Tank has ever had. But they won't care. So until the money makes a lot of sense, until Ryan has proven that he can sell a pay-per-view, it sucks, but that's the way it's going to be. They gauge, they still gauge stuff on the pay-per-view. And it's funny because my old workplace, The Zone, is now doing pay-per-view again. They said, oh, we're going to get rid of pay-per-view. You can't. It's still a very valuable metric to use when valuing fighters. And Javante, even though he doesn't sell through the roof, he sells tickets. Sells enough. And he sells paper. Yeah. yeah, he sells enough to say that I'm the draw. I don't need you. I can fight a tin can and still make the same money I would make fighting you. Why would I do it? They're perfectly fine with that. I hate it, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's, man, that's tough. Because in the long run, does it hinder? Does it hinder Javante in any way? Do you think it turns yeah. off fans? Yes, absolutely it does. What Floyd did turned off fans. Even though Floyd, like, 
because it's it's a compilation of everything that's happening. If Floyd fought Manny earlier in his career, it would have been a big fight. But with the longer that it took, it turned fans off. Even though everybody bought that pay-per-view, then it sucked. And then people started saying boxing was dead again. In the, in the case of Tank, the longer that he goes without a huge fight, he's gonna he'll fight somebody big probably next year. He'll probably still cruise along this year. He'll collect the belt from somebody. They'll be very strategic about it. But people ain't buying any of that shit. Hardcore boxing fans will buy into it. Yeah. The certain demo that really follows Tank, they'll buy into it. But overall, it kind of hurts. Because you want to see the best fight the best all the time. And when they're not, you ask why. And when you can't figure out why, you don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do with Tank because he seems like he's that good. But come on, man. I need you to fight somebody. I mean, Ryan Garcia seems to be the only person to fit that mold because you got to bring the star power that Tank brings yep. to, to justify that payday. I mean, I, unless he starts really ramping up through divisions and wants to take on someone at 147. He it, might. I mean, look. Like, he's tiny. It is, he wants to go up there. Like, so. It, uh, it is totally, it is totally foreseeable this year by the end of the year depending on how things shake out that Tank Davis could fight Keith Thurman totally plausible yo you're 100% right I would and then, there's your big fight fight Mikey Garcia or Danny Garcia yeah but I think both are a little I'm, bit more easy <laughs> They, I mean, Danny's still talking about fighting at, at, at one fifty four. Yeah, Danny, so Danny's managing two twins who can barely rap. Yeah, you know, Danny, but uh, Danny the point is, doing his life. <laughs> yeah, the point is, is that like there's been talk between Thurman and Tank on social media. It's a doable fight. Thurman just fought on pay per view. Tank fought on pay per view. That they, it's an appealing fight, and I think after watching what Keith did in his last fight, you go, Tank might be able to beat him. Oh, I don't know. Keith looked good to me. Oh, look, look, I agree, but I know a lot of people feel like that one time is long gone. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, and trust me, I know they saw this. He still gets hurt in fights. Especially to the body. He's, he don't like getting hit to the body. I, I, there's, there's a way, if Keith fights this summer or early summer, I don't know when Keith is going to fight again. There's a way I can see this fight happening at the end of the year or top of next year. I can absolutely see that happening. It's not a bad fight. Not a bad fight. They, they try to commission some type of secondary belt. I wish yeah. they probably could. So listen, I'm sure they not could. mad at that. Javante, though, has the least clear path of anyone in any division because of where they're at and how they've structured his career. So uh, let's take our last break. When we come back, let's wrap up by talking about this weekend's fights that just passed and looking ahead um, to the upcoming weekend and some fights that are coming up. So don't go anywhere. Be right back. everybody time to wrap up the show 
Dre, let's start on the fights that just happened this past weekend. Josh Taylor, undisputed champion, 140 pounds, junior welterweight, survived, and I'm saying that mildly, survived against Jack Catterall in his main event title defense. Both had been out for a while. There was like a COVID situation. There was an injury during the camp for Josh Taylor. The fight got pushed back a couple of times. Taylor hadn't fought since defeating Ramirez last year. I mean, it's been like 19 months since Catterall had fought. But coming out, I expected Josh Taylor to kind of walk through Catterall and be the bigger guy and, and prove what we've seen in his past, what, three or four fights? that not only can he hang with the best, but he can go toe-to-toe and thump with the best and, and outclass them. Regis Prograce, tough-ass fight. Um, Jose Ramirez, tough-ass fight. All these guys he's beaten. The resume was stacked in terms of what that division possesses. Is what we saw on Saturday, Josh Taylor having a bad day? Or is Jack Catterall better than we thought? I think this was a case right in the middle. I think Catterall is better than what we thought, but I do think that Josh Taylor, between the layoff, um, fight, you know, fighting in his home, I don't want to call him an adrenaline dump, but I, I feel like he could have been better. I don't think that – I don't think he's – I don't think Josh Taylor is not good. I think Josh Taylor is very good. I think he had a really bad night, and he escaped because – like. Because of some shitty scoring. <laughs> like, let's just call it what it is. You got some home cooking, but. Catterall outlanded him in every single round except one. You know, what I don't understand is how did. I looked at the judges' scorecards. How the hell did they have him winning those last three rounds when he only landed like six punches? Yep. Three punches in the 11th, three punches in the 12th. And it goes to show, and the commentary team was very astute on this. Catterall, once he knew it was up, fought off the back foot and circled, even though he was outlanding almost what I think Catterall had 11 to Taylor's three. That's more than three and a half times the landed punches in those last two rounds. But when you're doing it off the back foot and you're just placing and landing, it's kind of like octagon control, right? Like, so Taylor was throwing, but missing, but it looked like he was stalking Catterall. So it was all a matter of perception, but judges should be better than that. To the yeah, lady, that's an excuse. To a judge, yeah, it's your job. Yeah, it was. It's just I don't know, man. Like I don't, I don't know. I, you go, you have the fans, you have a lot of things going on, but yo, know, judges need to be accountable for these shitty ass scorecards. They really do. That's tough, man. That was. Listen, you know who got to be accountable? What the hell was the ref doing? Oh God. My man, a point taken away on, on a head push down from Catterall, like when, without a warning. And then yeah. you have a random point taken away from Taylor in the 11th. Yeah, I, I don't get the ref made this one early in the fight. Tim Bradley was calling it out the whole time. He's like, stop stopping the action. Let them fight. Yeah. They're not doing anything too crazy. The ref made it about him. And sorry, this is the problem with having fights in Europe sometimes. Or not oh, even, yeah. like, outside of London, I, I think, like, the general, like, London area, like England, they do pretty well because they have fights relatively all the time. But when you put a fight in Scotland, when you put a fight in Germany, when you put a f- fight in Russia, you know, current climate aside, when you put a fight in France, like Tony Yoka fights in France, 
When you do stuff like that, these people don't work fights every day. They don't work high caliber championship fights every day. Shit goes really wrong really fast. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That that set the whole tone for this. It was it's kind of a shit show of a fight because of the the judges and the ref. The fight in the ring, I I thought Catterall won. And he, yeah. he would have been on the same Cambosis trip. Like, and that's what has to hurt more, right? Like there's a difference between getting robbed and having the unknown. Like, yo, if I, I should have won, I got robbed. But if I became undisputed champion, I think I'm going to have all these opportunities. I think I'm going to cash out on my next fight. I think it's going to lead to all these opportunities because the guy that I beat has to move up because he's bloated and the weight cut is tough, right? We saw all, like, those are hypotheticals. It's tougher when you know that this is the case because George Cambosis did this three months ago. Right. Teofimo lost, got to move up. No need for a rematch. No rematch clause in the mandatory. Cashing out gets two big money fights back to back in his home country because that's the deal that they're working on either side where he's getting paid even money. Or damn sure ain't even against whatever guy he's going to fight. And you are guaranteed set up with probably 15 mil over your next two fights. You see a guy do it three months ago who came out of nowhere. No one's checking for George Cambosis. It was a hero's welcome. He's everywhere. A star was born overnight. And you had that same shot. You knew what was coming to you. That hurts more. Oh, it's deflating, man. You worked your whole career for that kind of stuff. Like, that's what you fight for. And to get it taken away, because there's nothing you like, he put him down. He did everything he was supposed to do, and he lost the fight. It, it sucks. It's not even like Cambosis, where they both got dropped. He right. No, down. no. He never it's... got dropped. <laughs> never got dropped. Yeah, he outlanded the man by weird, 60 punches. Such a weird day in boxing, but. And last here we are. So Justin yeah, Just lives to fight again. It's boxing. I feel like earlier in the day, someone, oh no. So then we, we see that. But then we get upsets throughout the rest of the day. Chris Colbert comes in. And so the fight's here in Vegas. Again, like I mentioned before, supposed to go. I got sick. You were there. Is this your last fight, by the way? Next week, uh, UFC is my last fight. Okay. Hector Garcia comes in. I couldn't pick Hector Garcia out in a lineup. Nobody I didn't, I didn't know this man's name two weeks ago. And I get paid to do this. Hector Garcia comes in. Shout out to all my Dominicans, Dominicanos in the building. Comes in, calm and collected the whole night. And stupid me. I'm like, oh, my man's just happy to collect a check. The calmness I was not ready for. Oh, how quick I noticed I was wrong. Because from the opening bell, he put it on Chris Colbert. You would not have known who was the quote-unquote blue-trip prospect and who was the guy on two weeks' notice. Yeah, so Colbert was supposed to fight for the title. And... uh, COVID happened, got a new opponent, ruined the whole fight for a lot of people because we're all looking forward to this fight. 
And then it was, uh, you know, Hector Garcia steps in and everybody's like, who the fuck is Hector Garcia? A lot of people are like, ah, I don't even want to watch this fight because it should be just a Chris Colbert showcase. <laughs> How wrong was everyone? Here's what happened. Chris Colbert said all week, because everybody's been critical about his punching power. I can knock people out. I can knock people out. And I'm going to show you. As soon as he got a new opponent, he decided that his game plan was to get a finish. However, what he soon realized was that Hector Garcia was no weakling. He could take a punch. Because if Colbert was fighting Roger Gutierrez like he was supposed to, Colbert would have boxed. This fight, he came in thinking he could slug it out, get an undefeated unknown fighter out of here from the Dominican Republic, and stay in position because he was still in position to fight for the WBA Super Featherweight title. And Colbert was saying crazy things like, I'll fight Chris Stevenson. I'm like, all right, dude. But he let people get to him about his power. And he went in there. The first round, he kind of... Garcia was just coming at him. And Colbert was trying to counter. Then he would try to, you know, lead. I think in the third round, he started, started to try to counter off of whatever Garcia was doing. But Garcia kept landing this left hand. What Colbert didn't realize is that he wasn't deterring Garcia from his strategy and Colbert had no plan B. He had no plan B. And that's the worst thing to happen to a fighter is when you come in and don't have a plan B. And now when you ask the question again, was this a bad night or was he just, you know, either beaten by the better man, but not as good as we thought it was. This wasn't a bad night. This was him getting fucked up for, for coming in the playing, not playing this position, not being the boxer. They supposed to be trying to show out in front of those fans that all came to see him. And then he fought a guy who was like, I don't care. I think round seven, before Colbert went down, round six or round seven, Hector Garcia stands in the middle of the ring, puts his hands down, and he's walking down Chris Colbert with his hands down. I remember I turned, I think, Sean and who else was next to me? Ryan Ryan from Boxing Scene, and I was like, oh, the fight's over. This motherfucker's just walking him down with his hands down, and Colbert, there's nothing he could do. Not only that, when Colbert got put down in the seventh round with that left hand, I said it was over. Colbert checked out. If you watch the last three rounds of that fight, he completely checked out and was just trying to get home. Colbert's not as good as we thought he was. His bad. He blew it. Big time. It's He did. Definitely a bad night in the office. But um, you say he doesn't have a plan B. Should he have a plan B when you just found out the guy was your opponent two weeks ago? Yes. Here's what plan B is. Plan A is always what you think you're going to do when the fight happens. Yeah. Plan B is adjusting when that shit don't work. For this guy, you you didn't don't matter. None of his tools. Don't it? It doesn't matter. Great fighters, the best fighters in the world, can figure out what their opponent's doing and do something different. Andre Ward was great at it. Floyd obviously was tremendous at it. Most fighters fight in one speed and don't know how to get out of that gear. Canelo, he's another one. He knows how to change. He sees what his opponent's doing, changes. Yeah. Changes midstream. Colbert didn't change. It don't matter what you train for. If you're a fighter, because especially when you fight through amateurs and everything else, and somebody's doing something that you didn't expect, the great ones adjust. It don't matter. When, like your corner helps you. Your corner will say, 
hey, do you see, you know, he's dropping his left or, you know, he's trying to cut off the ring, step inside. They'll tell you things, but you're the one fighting. Yeah. If you see that Hector Garcia, if you see that you can't put together combinations that hurt Hector Garcia and you know he's leading with that left hand, you adjust to take away that left hand. I always say it, the greatest, one of the greatest performances Floyd ever had was against Shane Mosley. He got hit with that right hand one time. It was like, that shit is never happening again. And Shane never hit him with that punch for the rest of the fight. Chris Colbert, like, well, yeah, he got hit with a chopping one the first time and the second one buckled his knees. Yeah. But Colbert got hit with that left hand in the first round, the second round, the fourth round, and to put him down in the seventh round. He never made an adjustment. The same left hand. Great fighters, Andre Ward. Watch when he fought Kovalev. He got clipped with that, that, that straight left, like right down the middle. Andre was like, oh, you ain't hit me with that shit again. And he made an adjustment. Colbert made no adjustment in this fight. The only adjustment he made was like, I want to go home on my feet. That was the only thing he resigned himself to do was lose that fight standing up. Yep, survival mode. Pretty shameful, man. And that, you know, it's funny because that was an upset. But, yo, this was a really good card. If anybody was watching it at home and you miss the uh, uh, Chaos of Martinez fight, oh, my God, that's a fight of the year candidate. It's also an upset. But, yeah, like, you never know it. They were throwing now, hands. 400-plus punches landed is insane. 427 was the final number. Record for that weight class. Record. 427. A junior band away record. Yo. Yo, that's... It came down to like 36 punches landed per round or something stupid. Towards, and he got higher as the fight went on. So I yeah. think in the final six rounds, he ended up averaging 47 punches landed per round. Dude, dude, he th- he was all technique. I mean, I'm sorry, all will, not technique. Twenty Martinez, Martinez came in and was just throwing punches in chaos. And in chaos, just he didn't he he was taking more risks than he usually does. I think he's been junior weight band weight champion for six years, and he used to be pretty boy used to fight very safe. And now he takes more chances, which leads him to being more open for counters. Yep. But in this case, Martinez was just coming at him, and I was like, "Yo, are you gonna roll with the punch?" Like he was just getting, he's just getting racked up and he just kept fighting it. And I mean, it resulted in a tremendous fight. The, don't let the scorecards fool you. I think it was two, uh, 118, 110, 117, 111, or something wide. like that. Very wide. But go, if you have time, go back and watch this fight. It is the leading candidate for fight of the year. It was incredible. Just two guys just beating the piss out of each other. And then sadly, you know, being at the Cosmopolitan, I was like, are these people watching the same fight I'm watching? Because it was quiet in the arena. They got they got a rise like late in the fight, but I'm like, yo, these guys are putting off for this for for everybody, and y'all just sitting on your hands. I hate atmospheres like that. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, those tiny venues sometimes could be like that because a lot of it is friends and fam, right? So like, they're not paying attention unless their guy is up. Yeah, it should have been because that was a venue. hell of a fight. Um. Oh, also Gary Antoine Russell. Younger brother, regular Gary Russell. Are they all named Gary Russell? Yes, they are all named they Gary. They are all named Gary. Yes. That is that is their their father is a piece of work. Uh, yes, it's it like is. it's like George Ford. Um uh, yeah, so Gary Antoine Russell, biggest win of his career, Victor Postal becomes the first person to stop Postal, which is, you know, a shitty week to do so with Ukraine and everything. And and Victor, man, 38 years old, his family's still back in Ukraine, like the wave of emotions he must be going through, but shout out to him for being a man of his word, staying through his obligation and fighting in the first place. But um, Gary Antoine 
Antoine Russell looked good. He showed what Chris should have showed in the main event, which is I'm going to be patient. I'm going to box. I'm going to use head movement. And I don't need to take a ton of chances. And in the long run, I'm going to get to the same result, which is the stoppage. The stoppage was bullshit, first and foremost. He could have stopped anything else. Six seconds, but Gary was on his ass. Nah, the stoppage was bullshit. That was an off. Victor Postal has never been stopped in his career. He's the last person that went the distance with Terrence Crawford. You give that man 26 seconds. He didn't get put down. Yep. That, that, that's, that, was, that was an awful stoppage for a man who has never been stopped. Yeah, you let him touch the canvas at least and get the, get the hate. Yeah, he just got rocked, man. He was fine. He was fine. They let him go down if that's what the case. You don't stop a fight that soon. Now Gary Antoine Russell, I believe, is 17-0 with 17 knockouts. He's a good fighter. Uh, he's a little reckless. He comes in charging in. He dives in. He, he leads with his head a lot. There's a lot of opportunities for your opponents that are going to take advantage of him. Postal wasn't fast enough, didn't have the power. Um, longer than 2 to 38, he couldn't take advantage. I thought, I thought Postal would be a much more difficult puzzle to solve, but Gary Antron Russell was like an engine that just wouldn't stop going. I think somebody said he reminded him of like a poor man, Sean Porter, just not as technically sound. Like he was yeah. just bum rushing him. But, yo, the stoppage was terrible. I was so disgusted with that stoppage. But it is what it is. Gary Antron Russell will get another big fight. Um, I just don't know how good he is. The stoppage is huge. Don't get me wrong. But he's going yeah. to be a champion this year. I'll tell you that. Because now with Josh Taylor, he's pretty much said that was his last fight at 140. He will vacate the belts and they will disperse. And I don't see how a win over Postal does not set him up to be ranked number one and fight for a title in one of these divisions. I just don't know how good he is. So you look at a guy I don't know. Like Jose Ramirez who fights this weekend. You look at a guy like Teofimo Lopez who I expect to, to come in and... If there's one thing guaranteed in this world is that the WBC loves them some Teofimo Lopez. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him fighting for that belt immediately at 140. Um, maybe, so that's Ramirez, Teofimo, Gary, and I'd say Regis Progress, probably in line to fight for the other one. Now that he's signed with... Yeah, Pro- I don't... I- I don't think Gary Antoine Russell is going to be a champion this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Victor Postal was just champion not too long. Long enough ago. And at 140? Nah. Four years ago, but he's fought for the title three times since, or twice since. Dog, and I don't think he'll be a champion this year. I don't think he'll be a champion this year. Nah. That and if he does fight, if he steps up, he might get stopped. He's, he's way too reckless for my liking. No, I mean, he could get stopped. Like, to me, in a unification, though, I feel like he can beat the next guy, like, if if he has to. Mm, don't think so. Don't think so. He beat Postal again. Postal's older. I don't think he's that good to be a champion this year. He's got to show me more. Defensively, he's not great. No. I mean, again, though, now we got to talk about, like, how good is 140? If Josh Taylor was pushed to this limit, how good is 140, to be fair? I mean, it's still good. Like, how? I mean, Regis Progre is still a very good fighter. Jose Ramirez is still a very good fighter. Josh Taylor, I mean, he had a bad night, but he's he's going up to 47. Yep. But 40 is still a very strong division. 
I don't I don't think I don't think it's weak by any stretch of the imagination. So let's see. I'm looking at the rankings right now. Yeah, he wouldn't be pushed up in any of the rankings yet. Odd. Nah. So because only because Victor Postal is ranked highest in the WBC. But we have Zepeda versus Ramirez. One and two in the WBC. So that's pretty much going to determine the WBC champion. Right there. And then WBA is Alberto Puerta versus Israel Barroso. I don't listen, fam. I don't I don't know why any of them. And then Regis Proy Grace will probably be IBF. Go for the IBF title versus Ponce. And then Catterall and Teofimo Lopez are one and two in the WBO. Yeah, Gary and Sean Wilson ain't beating those guys right now. He ain't beating none of us. Not not a person no. I mentioned. So not at all. Man, it's 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 gonna be tough. Um this weekend, again, just looking through the schedule real quick, touch on it. You have Jose Ramirez versus Jose Pedraza. Jose Ramirez try to bounce back. I expect him to win this. You know, Pedrazos are great recently, but I expect Jose Ramirez to be who he was before, you know, getting starched by Josh Taylor. Yeah, definitely. And then no shocker there. we have Chocolatito versus who? Cesar Martinez, who That's gonna be a good is fight. an animal at the lighter weight. You talk about 400 punches landed. This yeah. fight is going to be crazy. This, yeah, this chocolate- might be the fight of the year. Like, this is a fighter of the year candidate on paper, and I expect oh, it to absolutely. There's, there's no way this doesn't deliver. The defense will be at a minimum in this fight. Like <laughs> Defense optional. I can't see this fight going any other way but just hands being thrown. I just this is going to be a fun ass fight, and it sucks. I'm gonna be watching it while Octagon side for UFC because I'm watching this fight. Ain't no way I'll miss this. <laughs> I'm gonna be doing the same because I'll be covering UFC, but I got to keep an eye on this fight and uh, make sure I get coverage up for ringside because it's gonna be a war. It, it's it, it's going to be an amazing fight between two guys who are very well respected in the lighter weight classes, and then it comes down to. When is Chocolatito shop worn? Now, when I don't know. We thought he punches. We thought he, he was against Storm V side, and that wasn't oh, the case. So we were wrong. Up, yeah, it ended up he just went up too high. Yeah, so I don't know, man. He just he takes a lot of punches. I don't like the punches that he takes, but and Martinez gonna give a lot of punches. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. There's gonna be there's Martinez gonna be a lot of fist line win this fight. And it throws a wrench in the entire, entire oh, yeah. division. Absolutely. 100%. Like, there is no clear advantage to Chocolate Like, I can see this fight going either way. I just don't seem to be a good-ass fight. Yeah, That's Martinez That's might not never go back down to flyweight if he wins this shit. So, it's going to be fun. These are, again, these are hardcore fight fans' fights this weekend. But we're gearing up for a, a huge slate during the month. And these are fun. These are the the fun weekends that we we get before we get into the big marquee fights, which are coming, you know, March nineteenth weekend. We have four five card five fight cards. No, why the fuck? I can't count six. Dre, we have six fights on March nineteenth. Virgil Virgil Ortiz is fighting. Berlanga's fighting. 
um, Sonny Edwards in the UK is fighting, which I believe might be pro bell. Um, we have Jamal Charlo. No, that one got delayed. Yeah, that got right. pushed back. Cool. Yep. And cool, David Avisian. So, man, that weekend is still stacked, though, even though that one's delayed. We got March 26th. There, there's just so much going on in the world of boxing. Big fights every weekend. So we appreciate you guys. We're going to have a ton more of these all boxing shows. As you can see, as the slate gets tougher, later on in the week, we'll talk UFC with a huge UFC pay-per-view coming up. And probably this week we'll do a special episode for uh, AEW because AEW was coming up. AEW Revolution. Yes, we got to talk about AEW, Keith Lee, and a Haas ladder match. Um, So so much good stuff. This is the first AEW pay-per-view. I read this on Twitter without Kenny Omega. Hmm. So I don't think it's going to miss a beat. I hope Adam Cole Bay Bay is the next champion when we, when we, uh, talk about this in the recap next week but so much going on in the world of combat sports still on the road to wrestlemania and everything going on there which i feel like only three matches on that card are booked so we're gonna have a shitload to talk about as that approaches as well it's gonna be all fun and we're gonna keep this thing rolling until dre has the baby and has to go on hiatus then it's gonna be yes, me man. me my hot takes and a bunch of random guests so I can't oh wait God. for the next next month, month and a half. This is going to be a blast. We appreciate all of you. But for now, make sure you guys follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You follow me, at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our YouTube, Corner Podcast, where you catch every episode, except this one, because we're recording the old school style on there and all of our interviews amazing interviews with ufc fighters pro wrestlers gonna get boxers in um we got a lot of requests after this um green interview we just did the bobby green joint that dropped to have more guests well guess what people we are you can find all of those on youtube and watch the entire videos we love having guests adds a different dynamic to the corner and only going to help us grow so we appreciate all of you shout out to everyone at blue wire Everyone in studio, even though we're not in studio today, we'll see them all again later in the week. Producer Cole Bebe, not on the boards, but in our hearts for this episode. You guys stay safe, stay rota free, because that shit's still out there somewhere. Um, in support of everyone, you know, fighting in the war and protecting our country. Uh, hearts out to all of them. Until later on in the week, we're out. Peace.